Masechet Kiddushin, Daf Samich Gimel. We're talking about a case where someone says, um, the uh, child that your wife will give birth to, if it's a girl, is Mikudesh to me from now. And so uh, we said that, yeah, if, the, if the, she is pregnant, uh, then that works. Even though the child is not even born, still um, the Kiddushin can work. We compare that to a case of Teruma, if the Teruma has not yet uh, grown uh, fully, or has not but, uh, grown a third, or has not yet been cut. Still, you can say, I want this to be Tiruma for that other cut pile over there when I, when it grows and when I cut it. And that also works. So even though right now it's not cut, it will be cut in the future. And so this is a similar thing, even though it's not present here right now in the proper state. But since it will be, I can use the future state of it and still enact a transaction. Okay, so based on this, we go into a discussion of transactions uh, regarding things that don't yet exist in the world. said these three sages all agree that one can uh, transfer, uh, do an acquisition with something that does not yet exist in the world. In these cases that we saw above, the item does exist in some form. There is a fetus or there is a uh, there is something uh, that is growing but not yet ready. Um, so the point is, even though it does exist, it doesn't exist as a proper entity. You can't actually do kiddushin with a fetus. You can't do take teruma from something that's attached to the ground. So there is something, but it's not in a state yet ready that it can be halachically used. And nevertheless, one can make, make a transaction with this item that is not yet in the world in its uh, full form. Okay, let's see each of these opinions. Rabbi Eliezer ben Yaakov Hadamaran. We already saw the opinion of Rabbi Eliezer ben Yaakov regarding Tirumah that's attached to the ground and not yet grown a third. Rabbi de Tanya. Rabbi, that's Biodanasi. We see it in the following statement. Lo taskir ayabed el adonav. You cannot deli- uh, deliver a slave to his master. You have a runaway slave. The Torah says uh, you're not allowed to deliver him back to his master, which uh, in effect will um, abolish slavery because then every slave will run away and uh, you're not allowed to return him uh, like uh, happened in America, unlike what happened in America when even though there was no slavery in the north, but there was a rule that you had to return a slave that ran from the south to the north and the north you still had to return him to the south. Um, But if there was a rule that no, you don't return him, then that's it. All the slaves would have run north and there'll be the end of slavery. And that's the point of the Torah to end slavery. Okay, um, but the B says uh, it applies to a different case. Um, that, that 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 would be the peshat. Um, you see, it says So he is somehow still in Aved. Um Another way to interpret this would be, let's say, an Eved was freed. And now he cannot be taken back by his slave, like the people did in the time of Yirmiyah. They freed their slaves, and then they took them back. All right, that would be another application. But B says that application wouldn't make sense because then they're already free. They wouldn't be still call him an Evid. Why are you calling him an Evid? So B says, we're talking about a case where, let's say I go and I buy a slave on the market on condition that I will free him. I want to help him out, uh, but I don't own him. So I'm going to buy him in order to free him. It's actually on condition. Um, and so how would this work? He writes from in the document, uh, when I acquire you, you are acquired to yourself from now. 
so that the second that he uh, the this new owner acquires him, he or automatically becomes free. Now this is something because right now before the acquisition of the slave, I don't own the slave. So how can I free a slave that I don't own? Right, the slave does not exist. I mean, the, the person exists over there, owned by somebody else, but it doesn't exist as my property. So right now I have no ability to free him. Nevertheless, the B says I can write that in the future when I come to own you then when I purchase you then you will acquire your freedom uh, from now so this is an acquisition that of something that does not yet exist in a form that <clears throat> can be legally used nevertheless uh, we apply it for the for the future state Good. Rabbi Meir, next case, Rabbi Meir also agrees to this principle. Okay, this is a Braita that relates to a lot of the same... Um, cases that we saw in our Mishnah, if a man says, you are Mekodesha to me after I convert, he's not Jewish right now, or after you convert, or if she's not Jewish, or if he or she is an Evid Kanani, says, after I'm freed, or after you are freed, uh, then the Kiddushin, uh, then be Mekodesha to me. Um, she's married, and he says, after your husband dies, then be married to me. Or he is married to one sister, and he tells the other sister, after my wife dies, right, the, the, uh, this current sister that he's married to, then I will be married to you. <laughs> <laughs> or um, a, shif, a woman is a Yevama and he says after the Yavam does Chalitza in all these cases and I'm Mikudeshet because in each of these cases this person uh, one of the people either the, the, the groom or the bride is not in a state that he's able or she's able to do Kiddushin uh, not Jewish not uh, um, uh, married already Edva so these are all problems however that's Tanakama Bimir however says the Kiddushin is good so you see from here um, that this is Davashelo Bala Olam, all these people, okay, even though again the person exists, um, right? This, uh, let's say the woman is not Jewish, she exists, but she's not in a state that of uh, in a marriageable state. Uh, right now, uh, but nevertheless, you can do an acquisition on the future state of the person after she converts. So you see, in all these cases, Bimir says the kiddushin is good. Rabbi Yochanan agrees with Tanakama. That's no good. Rabbi Yudan Nasi takes a middle position. Omer mikudeshet umatam amiru ena mikudeshet mishum eva. He says the kiddushin works. Um, uh, so, in other words, he be- agrees in principle with Rabbi Meir that uh, you can make an acquisition for. However, the rabbis came and said, you know what? In some of the cases, because of enmity, that would be cases where it's on condition that someone dies. If a man goes to a married woman and says, I'll be Mekodeshet to you after your husband dies, what do you think that husband is going to think? He's not going to be very happy about that, right? Not, he's gonna, it's going to cause hatred between those two men, between the husband and wife, um, right? This is, you, you, you've already made Kiddushin with another guy after I die. So this is not a good idea. We don't want people to do this. And therefore we say, you know what, if you try to do that, the Kiddushin will not even be valid. Or with sisters, right? Oh, you know, after I, after one sister, you know, says after you die, um, then I'll be married to the other sister. Okay, this is not going to cause Shalom Bayit. 
and therefore that kiddushin is not good. But from the from uh, 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 from the but this principle that you can do uh, kiddushin with someone who is currently not uh, a mar- of marriageable status, like someone who's not Jewish or Evid Kanani, Rabbi Yehuda agrees with Rabbi Meir that yes, you can do that. Okay, so this proved that Rabbi Meir is true. Uh, fits it fits with this. Now we ask Why don't we include Rabbi Yehuda Nasi in the list because even even though he excludes a couple of them only because of enmity, but the rest of them he agrees you can do kiddushin with something that is not 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 yet in the, currently in the right status. And the answer is Hainu to be Hainu to be Udanasi to be is to be Udanasi. I mean, you already established in the example above that to be agrees with this principle, so we don't have to say to be Udanasi. Although it's true that to be Udanasi would agree as well. Okay, we nachshav na me to be Akiva detanya kunam shani osa lefiha en sarich lehafer. Why don't we also include to be Akiva in this list? Because look at the following beraita. If a woman says makes a vow and says whatever I produce will be prohibited to you my husband right let's say she sews uh, scarves and so um, right uh, this is uh, for a business and they sell them uh, so uh, normally whatever she produces the or the earnings of that go to the husband in return the husband has to pay for her food shelter and clothing and so on um, so therefore he does not have to he has a right to but he doesn't even need to nullify the vow because it's already null and void whatever she makes automatically goes to him she has no right to the earnings in the first place, so she has no right to say that um, I'm prohibiting my earnings to you, to her husband. So therefore, he does not need to uh, nullify it. That's but Rabbi Akiva disagrees and says the husband should uh, nullify that vow because she may make a lot. Let's say she is expected to make uh, 10 scarves a day and sell them for $100. And this is the normal amount. Uh, that is a fixed amount that she gives to him. And he pays for her food, clothing, and shelter, and so on. That's about that same amount. But let's say she works extra hard and she makes five extra scarves it makes 50 extra dollars so she can keep that extra money because that's not that's not going for an imbalance of the food so normally she would be able to keep the extra money and therefore she would have a right to make a vow and say i'm keeping all the extra uh, money and you cannot get no benefit from it you can't wear those scarves you can't do anything with those scarves and so if the husband does not want that to happen then he should and he can and should nullify her vow. <clears throat> that is Rabbi Akiva's position. So now this is talking about something that didn't yet come into the world. These scarves don't exist. The Whatever she's making with her hands, right? Anything that any work that she's talking about, future work, future earnings. So it doesn't yet exist. And yet Rabbi Akiva says, one can make a vow and say, these my future earnings are prohibited to you. So Rabbi Akiva should be included on the list that you can make a, make a transaction with something that did not yet come into the world. So we answer, This is Ravuna, son of Rabbi Yosho, explains that we're talking about a case where she vow, she makes a vow and says, "My the work of my hands will be prohibited to you. And her hands are there, right? My hands should be prohibited to you. 
um, and the hands are there. So whatever they produce will be prohibited to him. That's not something that will come into the world. <laughs> that exists already now. It's like saying this, this sewing machine you cannot use. The sewing machine is right here. And therefore, anything that the sewing machine produces will not be allowed. Right? Same thing. These, that, that's the hands over here. Um, so therefore, this is not even a case of something that doesn't exist in the world because in the vow, one mentioned the hands themselves. Next, Mishnah. A man tells a woman, uh, be Mikudesh to me on condition that I will speak well to you uh, in, uh, to the authorities. I'll, I'm going to write, write you a letter of recommendation. That's worth money. Right, she can. Uh, she'll be able to get a job. She'll be able to do something, whatever she, whatever she's recommended for. Or um, uh, he says, "I will be mekudesh to, to you, and I will work for you as a as a day laborer." Right, I will build a shelf for you and be mekudesh to me with that uh, with, with that work. So if he does in fact do that, he gives a good recommendation, or he works uh, for her for a day, however long that they stipulate, the kiddushin is valid. If he doesn't do it, it's not valid because the condition was not fulfilled. Good. Now, a simple reading of the Mishnah is that this is he, the, the value here, right? You have to be mikudeshed with a peduta. Sounds like the value here is the recommendation or the building of the shelves, right? That's that's worth money, and that's what he's doing kiddushin with. That's a simple reading. But then Amar Reshakish Vuhushanatan Lashaveputa. Reshakish says he has to, besides the value of this thing, he also has to give her a, a coin or something that's worth a coin at the time that he says this kiddushin. Um, okay, so, and this is, and what's, what's said here is only a condition, right? A non-condition that whatever, it could be, they could be, could do anything. Uh, you could add a condition, any kind of condition. So you're mikodesh me with this coin on condition that I also write you a letter of recommendation. But the letter of recommendation is not the value. Yes, you have to give a coin in addition. So now we ask about this. Ubizchad law, why not say it's for the value of this action? Because look at this Braita where we see a value of an action or work do, doing work for someone. You can use that for the value of Kiddushin. If a man says to a man, um, be Mikudeshit to me for the uh, pay for the value that I took you on a ride a wagon ride or on, on, a, on a boat ride, um, so, or a, a donkey ride, or a, a wagon ride, or a boat ride, this is not Mikudeshit. <laughs> In other words, right, she goes and uh, hires a, a pedicab, and uh, she's, you know, take me to this place. And at the end, well, she's going to have to pay, right, at the end of the ride. And so the driver says, listen, instead of payment, do uh, be mikudesha to me and keep the payment. This is no good. Why? Because um, that, that payment is a loan. Since he already did the action and it accumulates, it's like, uh, think of in the taxis, you have a ticker, right? You, have to, you owe this much for every uh, block. You have, to, uh, you have to pay another dollar. Um, so um, since this is something that she uh, the she owes and the the, uh, the, the it, it accumulates as she goes along, in the end it's basically a loan, and so you can't do kiddushin with a loan. She owes him this money. He can't say, "Oh, with that loan that you have and uh, that you owe me, be mikudeshet." That's not good kiddushin. We already discussed why you can't make a do kiddushin with a loan. So that's case one, which is not good. However, if you say for the 
the future, right? She hails down this pedicab and says, take me down the downtown. He says, okay, um, instead of payment, right, for the sechad, for the benefit, for the value that I will give you this donkey ride or will take you on the, on the um, uh, wagon or in a ship, be mikudesha to me, that works, right? So you see here that you can uh, do kiddushin with the value of an action as long as it's happening in the future. And maybe Resh Lakish will say, oh, in this case also, he has to give her a piruta and say, on condition that I'll, that I'll drive you downtown. But that can't be because here it says, right? it says explicitly, to me with the value of uh, of this action that I'm going to do to you. So, Reshakish, why oh how come over here it works perfectly fine to be to do kiddushin with a value of an upcoming uh, action and how come in and the Mishnah you said no, it has to be that he gave her a piruta also in addition to the action that he is going to do. This is also in the future. So it should work even without a piruta. Furthermore, we're going to add to Reshakish's question. the question against Reshakish. Another Braita says, if a woman says to a man, uh, sit next to me, be my, uh, be, be my company uh, on a date uh, for, for, for tonight, and I'll be mikudeshet to me, uh, mikudeshet to you, right? That's worth money, that's it's valuable to me, that you should be, you know, come along and sit with me. Um, uh, uh, or she says, uh, entertain me, tell me a joke, dance in front of me, make me like a dimos. A dimos could mean a row of bricks, but in context here, it seems to me like a, a jester, make a funny face, uh, wear a mask, do something to entertain me uh, over here. Shamin. So then we have to evaluate and see, is this joke that he said worth a peruta, right? Or this dance that, that he said. It was an entertaining dance and made her smile a little. Was that smile worth one peruta? Would you pay a peruta for someone to tell you this joke? I'm trying to imagine judges sitting around to see decide if she married or not and then analyzing the joke to see, right, how much is this joke worth? Uh, has to be worth at least peruta. If it is, then kiddushin is good. But they say, listen, your joke was not even worth a few cents. Then it's not good. Now you see here, same thing. Um, you don't have. She doesn't have to give her also a coin as long as this joke or dance or funny face was worth a peruta. The kiddushin is good, and so same thing here. The kiddushin should be good without, uh, just with a letter of recommendation, without having to give extra money. Maybe you'll say in this case also, uh, it, it is could say also he gave her a, a coin as well. That can't be because it says explicitly that we evaluate the joke. If he also gave her a coin, then he wouldn't have to evaluate the joke. That would just be on condition, on condition that I do a dance. Well, maybe you can argue this wasn't really the dance was so bad. It wasn't even a dance. If a joke is so bad, maybe it's not even a joke. Um, okay, but that's not what it says. It says you may you evaluate how much it's worth. And so you wouldn't have to evaluate if there was a coin. So obviously there was no additional coin here. A challenge to Resh Lakish. Amalekh Resh Lakish, you can answer. Rashakish says the, the the author of this Baraita and the, the, the previous one too here was assumed that 
the obligation to pay for someone's service only um, comes at the end. It doesn't accrue all along. While the person is peddling the pedicab, doing his work, there's no, there's no, oh, there's no payment uh, owed there. It's only when it's totally done, and then he says, okay, now I'm done, pay me for the service. Or she brings in something to, to work on here, build this, fix this, and now he says, okay, it's ready. He delivers it. Only upon delivery, final delivery of the goods, then that's when the money is owed. Therefore, that explains these two baraitot. As long as it's done in the future, that's fine. He says, right, uh, she says, uh, he says, I'm, you know, be mikodesh to me with this dance I'm about to do. And she says, okay. So then he's not, uh, he does the dance. And that is the value, uh, which is uh, now it's payable at the end. Um, but it's not a loan because from the, from the beginning, she said, you know, I'll be mikodesh with this service that you do. Uh, same thing uh, with here, uh, giving her, giving her a ride. Now, even this, Tana would say, if they only ask at the end, then it's no good. Because by the end of it, right, you already got there on the, uh, on the ride. And even though at that, uh, and at that point, the, the ride's already done, so she already owes him the money. It's already a loan, and you can't be Mikodesh with the loan. That's why you can't do it at the end. So everyone agrees that after the service is done, you can't do it because then it's a loan. But this opinion of this Tana, of these two Baraita think that the Schirut is only payable at the end. So as long as you make the deal before the end, uh, um, before the service is delivered, the Kiddushin is good. Our Tana, the Tana of our Mishnah, however, says that it goes from beginning to end. And therefore, it, since it accumulates as a loan the whole time, even if he says, I will write you a letter of recommendation, um, or I will uh, um, uh, do some work for you, I'll build, build you a shelf, and so on, it still accumulates as it goes along. And so, it's a, so there, therefore, it's a loan no matter what. And uh, that's why the Shakish says, according to our Mishnah, you can't use the service or, um, or the letter of recommendation itself. Uh, as a Kiddushin, that's only a condition, you have to also give a coin. All right, so that's a Shakish. Now we ask, What pushed the Shakish to have to say this? Wouldn't it be simpler to say that the Mishnah has the same opinion as those two that I taught and thinks that the Sechirut is only at the end and therefore as long as you do it for the future, and and it's before before the labor is done, um, he can uh, you could do, do kiddushin with the value of that service, right? Why not just say it simply that way? What's pushing him to say? Oh no, there's also a coin here, and the mishnah has to be a coin to the one that says um, that uh, that the um, pay the payment uh, accumulates all all along. He says, uh, Rabbi says, well, what pushed the Shakish is the language of the Mishnah. Because it specifically says, Almenat, uh, uh, to me, unconditioned that I write you a letter of recommendation. If it was the value of the item of the, of the service itself, it should have said bishad like it did in the Braita, with the value of this thing. It doesn't say with the value of this, uh, of this item. And therefore, we see that whenever it says Almenat, we're not talking about the value of the item, but rather it has to be some other coin that he's also giving. And the, and the service, you can only include service as part of a Kiddushin if it's done as a condition, in addition to the coin that he is paying. Next, Mishnah.
על מנת שירצה אבא, רצה האב מקודשת, ואם לאו, אינה מקודשת. מת האב, הרי מקודש, זו מקודשת, מת הבן, מלמדין האב לומר שאינו רוצה. We have three cases here. The first one, a man goes to a woman and says, you are מקודשת to me on condition that my father, the groom's father, wants, uh, accepts it, wants it. So if the father does accept it, then the Kiddushin is good. And if not, then the Kiddushin is not good. It's simple enough, it seems. Now, what if the father dies? And uh, so now we, we, he's not around. We can't ask him. The Kiddushin is good because, uh, well, he's not objecting to it. And so the Kiddushin just goes, to, just goes forth. forth. Now, what if the son dies? And now we, uh, before the father says anything, so we go to the father, the Betin will go to the father and says, listen, it's a good idea for you to object and say you never wanted a Kiddushin. That way, she will not be have to do Yibum or Chalisa. If there was never a Kiddushin, she's free. And that's a, really the best thing for her. So just object, and then that way, retroactively, there will never have been a Kiddushin. If he comes and says, I want that Kiddushin, then, then, he, and then that means they were Mikudeshit, and he dies. And then they, if they didn't have children, she's going to have to do Yibum, Chalitza, Okay, that's the three cases. Now we ask, Now when it says, on condition that father wants, what does that mean, want? It's a kind of ambiguous term. Does that mean that the father explicitly has to say, yes, I want it? If so, how does the second case work, the middle case, when the father dies, we say the Kiddushin is good, but he died. He never said yes, and he's not going to say yes. Why should it, why should it be good, good Kiddushin? So if you say it means yeah, that he has to say yes explicitly, then we can't explain the second case. Rather, when father consents means that he just doesn't say anything at all. As long as father, my father, doesn't say anything at all, the Kiddushin is valid. And then he dies, so he's not saying anything at all. That's why the Kiddushin is valid. Okay, I got that case. That makes sense. But let's see if it can be consistent with the third case. The son dies, and we go to the father, and we tell the father, say that you don't want this, uh, this to go through. Now, why? Yeah, but but he was quiet, meaning he was quiet when he first heard about it. So when right when he heard about it, I mean, how how long do you have? So he heard about it. He didn't say anything. Therefore, the kiddushin should be valid. And the fact that now after the son died, now he says it's no good. There's got to be some kind of time limit. And he didn't do it as soon as he heard about it. So being quiet sounds like uh, uh, so it sounds like being quiet is not called consent because otherwise uh, the kiddushin would be valid. Rather, it has to mean this case is talking about where he says, as long as my father does not object. Um, and, and ever, right, at any point in time. So since the father uh, did not object, well, yet, it's true he didn't object yet, um, but then he then the son died. So we tell, we tell them, go and object now, because, right, so that way, if you say that it means being quiet, well, he was quiet for when, when he heard it, and then the Kiddushin would, would be valid. So we are changing this case to mean a case where he says, as long as uh, uh, the Kiddushin is good, as on condition that father doesn't object. That condition, there's no time limit, and so as long as he objects sometime, 
even after the sun dies, then the, the Kiddushin will fall away. So now we see we have a problem. You're going to tell me that the condition that he says here, it has to mean one thing in the Resha, or in the Resha has to mean to just be quiet, right? Because that's the only way the Kiddushin can work when the father dies. But in the Sefa, it has to mean that the father doesn't object, because that's the only meaning of that phrase that would make sense if the son dies. So, are we going to say that the two parts of the Mishnah are assuming two different cases, two different languages that he said? in Yes, that's in fact the case, um, because uh, we'd rather the Mishnah be consistent according to one opinion and not have to say, well, oh, the Resha is one opinion, the Sefa is a different person's opinion. We don't want to say that. And therefore, better to just assume that we're talking about different meanings of the same of this phrase. Uh, we're assuming one meaning in the first half and a different meaning in the second half. And in fact, since Rabbi says yes, in fact. Let's assume that we're talking about two different cases. The Shaki says we can learn that according to the BNI, it's better to give a forced explanation of a Mishnah that is talking about two different meanings, right? And the first is talking about one meaning of father consents and one case, and the Sefa is talking about a different meaning of that phrase and therefore a different case, and make it consistent with that one author and not say, oh, there's two different authors um, with one reason, with one explanation, because if you're consistent with the meaning of that phrase, then you're going to have to say that there's a machloket between the Resha and the Sefa. So better to say one Tana and two different meanings. Rav Yosef says, I can explain the Mishnah according to one meaning, one same case, and one Tana. It means on condition that father will not object, but there's a time limit, from now until 30 days. And this, if that, this phrase can explain all the clauses in the Mishnah, as long as father doesn't object from now within 30 days. So the first clause, um, if a father wants, meaning he does, doesn't object from now to 30 days, the Kiddushin is good. Um, Imlav means if the father does object within 30 days, then the Kiddushin is not good. Now, if he dies, well, just wait 30 days. If he hasn't objected before he died, he's not going to object after he dies, and that's why the Kiddushin is valid. If the son dies, then we tell the father, make sure to object before the 30 days comes, um, because if you don't object, the Kiddushin will, will be good. And so, if we, as long as we put a time clause in, we can uh, explain all the all three clauses of the Mishnah, all in, uh, according to the same uh, phrase, the same same condition, the same case, and the same uh, Tana. Now for the next Mishnah, Kidashti et biti ne'eman. If some a father uh, comes and says, I, I, I offered my daughter to someone when Kiddushin, but I don't know to whom. Uh, talk about a kind of absent-minded father, right? He married off his daughter. He doesn't remember who the guy, who the groom is. And then some guy comes and says, oh, it was me. We believe that guy. We'll see to what extent we believe him. Second case, Ze'amar anikidashtiha ve'ze'amar anikidashtiha. Same case, the father doesn't know 
who he did Kiddushin for his daughter with, and then two uh, uh, suitors come. One says, I am the one, I'm the groom. The other says, no, I am the groom, I am your son-in-law. Uh, so they both have to give a get, because we don't know which one is which, so we can't, we can't believe them. So both give a get, and then she'll have to go, and she can go marry uh, someone else. However, if they want to, and they agree, one of them can give a get, and the other one can, can marry her, right? They, they come, they both say, um, no, it's me, it's no, it's me. And one says, you know what, I'll give the get. You, you, you can have her. Uh, so then the other guy can go ahead and marry her. Okay, that's the cases of the Mishnah. Amarav ne'eman liten get ve'en ne'eman lichnos. When we say here that in the first case, when one guy shows up and says, I'm the one that did Kiddushin, he's believed, He's believed to the extent that he can give a get, and he must he must give a get, but he cannot marry her. Um, why? And neeman ten get and adam He is believed to give a get because a person is not going to sin and lie and say it was me when he gets no benefit out of it. And this guy is getting no benefit. All he does is come and give a get. So that way, when the father, the father, it gets her off the hook because the father says, I know she's engaged to someone, I don't know who. So if he comes and says, it was me, we believe that he is in fact the one. So now that he gives a get, she can go and marry anybody else, which is very helpful to her. The guy gets no benefit, so we assume he's not going to lie and sin for no benefit. Therefore, we believe him. But we do not believe him to say, it was me, I'm the guy, and let's uh, set a wedding date and finish the marriage because maybe his inclination is overcoming him. He, see, he sees this announcement, right? Lost and found a groom. Someone did Kiddushin. Here's the girl. She's pretty. He says, so he comes up and says, oh yeah, it's me. Uh, he might be lying because maybe he just wants to be married to her. So we cannot believe him to that extent that we allow them to marry. And however, that's the opinion of Rav. Rav Aseh disagrees. Is no, you believe him? Uh, for f fully even to marry. Why? Because he's not going to lie uh, directly in the father's face. I mean, the father might actually remember who it was, right? He may have, uh, have seen him and he might know, wait, no, it wasn't you. I would never accept you. So um, he might be, he probably would be embarrassed to lie to the father and say it was me. Therefore, if some guy comes and says, it was me, we believe him, and they can even get married. However, even Ravaseh would agree that, let's say there was no father in the picture. She herself, some woman comes and says, I accepted Kiddushin from someone, but I don't remember who I accepted it to. I don't know, she was distracted, she was texting, right? Don't text while uh, getting married, right? She's texting, she, someone gives her a coin, she says, okay, and then she, she didn't realize she forgot who it was. And then some guy comes along and says, oh, it was me. Even Rav Aseh would agree that she is not believed in that he is not believed in that case because a groom will not be so embarrassed to lie in front of a girl. Maybe in fact she'll see she'll see him and say, "Well, I don't remember if it was you or not, but you know what? Okay, good enough. You know, uh, you're, you're you're handsome enough. I'm okay with it." So a guy will be embarrassed to lie in front of a father, but may not be embarrassed to lie in front of the woman herself because even the woman says, "Like uh, I don't remember it being you, but oh, all right, fine." I'll do Kiddushin with you, but that could be a problem because if she's really Mikodesh to someone else, she's not allowed to be with this guy. All right, Tenan. 
Rasu Ehad Noten Get Vehad Kones. Tuyub We have a challenge against that from the Sefa of our Mishnah. Sefa Mishnah says if two suitors come and say I was me, one says it was me, and they agree, and one says, Okay, you know what, I'll give a get, you can marry her, then they can do that. So here you see we they they are believed, one of them is believed not only to give a get, but one of them is believed even to get married. That's against Rav who said that they're only believed to give a get. Rav says, no, that's a different case. Well, if there's only one suitor, then he might be lying. Uh, so we, we, can't, we can't believe him. So he could give a get, but not, uh, not, not, we don't believe him enough to get married. But if there's two guys there, then they're going to be afraid to lie because one of them is, is one of them for surely is lying, right? And probably the other one is telling the truth. Um, and so he's going to come and say, well, if I come and present myself and the other guy says, no, it wasn't you, or the father says it wasn't you. So this is scarier to go and be so bold as to lie in front of the, another guy who probably is the real suitor. A person would be afraid to be called out. And so therefore we assume that the one who said, you know what, I'll give a get, you can have her, probably it's because he was lying. And so therefore um, he is not believed. And the other guy that says, no, I'm going to, I'm, that, that says, I'm going to do Kiddushin, if he showed up, stuck to his story and is, uh, and is doing Kiddushin, then we can believe that he is the real guy. Rabbi Braita supports Rabbi said that you can even get married, even if there's only one suitor. Says exact case of the Resha of our Mishnah. Father says, I, did, I, did, I married off my daughter, I don't know too. And so one guy comes and says, It was me. He is believed even to get married. And then after, let's say, after they get married, that first uh, guy, a second guy comes later after the, after the marriage and says, Actually, it was me. We don't believe him. Because not in his power to make a prohibition, even though if he came a few days earlier uh, before the marriage, then okay, then he, we would say you're both believed and you both have to give a get. Um, but if he came after the marriage, then that's it. We leave it as status quo. If anyone says. I married myself over to, I, I agreed to marriage with someone, but I don't know who it is. And some guy comes we, and said, said it was me. We do not believe her to get married because maybe she's protecting him. Maybe she says, listen, I, this wasn't the guy, but it's all right. I, I want to be married to him. Um, I want to be married to him, and she'll, she'll protect him and say it was him, even if it was not. So therefore, we cannot trust her herself um, to say, uh, we cannot trust uh, uh, the, uh, the guy in a case where she says, I don't know who I married, and the father is not involved. Question. If a father says, I married off my daughter, but I don't know to who. So now she is and has a status of, she's Nara Meorasa. And then she goes and sleeps with someone, someone who's not the, not the groom, for sure not the groom. So would we give her Sikila based on the father's testimony that he married off the daughter? Let's assume there were no other witnesses. There would have had to have been witnesses to do Kiddushin, but they're not around. So we have no all The only way we know that she is Meoreset is from the father. So I know we said we believe him to some extent that if a guy comes, they can give a get or get married. But how about to bring her to court and give her sikilah? Rav Amad and Soklin. This is consistent. I've said before, you only, you only agree, you only believe a groom that comes to the extent they has to give a get. I mean, it's only the Chumrah, but you don't let them get married. Uh, so you don't fully believe him. And here also Rav says, we'll believe, we don't fully believe the father. 
and maybe maybe she is engaged, maybe she's not engaged, and so we're not we don't know for sure, so we can't give her sekila. consistent also with what he said before that we can even allow the marriage to go through. We believe. Um, that the father did marry her off to someone, and we believe the guy who comes. And so here also, Ravaseh says, we fully believe the father, um, that he, she was uh, engaged to someone, and therefore, now that she sleeps with someone else, we we would even stone her. Right? Now we explain further. Rav says, we don't give a sekila because well, Torah only believes the father had to create a prohibition that she can't go and marry anybody else unless you know she gets a get uh, from someone. Um, but to kill her, no, we don't believe her. Rav says, yes, you can uh, uh, give her a sekila because we believe the father fully. Rav says, even though when the father testifies that she is engaged, she is fully engaged and gets the kila, if she herself, not the father, but she says, listen, I accepted Kiddushim from someone, I don't know who it is, that in that case, we do not give sikila based on her own, own admission, which is generally too, generally true that a person is not punished based on their own admission. Rav says, the halachot that I say break roofs, meaning they're really difficult. If someone hears them without proper explanation, then it's going to be like, you know, we might say groundbreaking or roof breaking. And this is, here is one of them, but don't worry, I have an explanation. Look, in a case where a father says, I married off my daughter, but I don't know to whom, where it does is going to make her prohibited to almost everyone. However, if some guy comes and says, I was the one, then we allow them to get married. That was what Ava says uh, um, uh, opinion, that uh, she can get married to that guy. And yet, in this case, if she would go and be with uh, some other guy, we would give sikila. So here, in other words, the prohibition is, is somewhat limited of that the father creates. She's prohibited to everyone. But if someone comes, then she can marry that guy. So the prohibition is limited to everybody. Um, but she can marry at least someone who comes along. And then over there, we do give her sekila if she, if she um, has relations with someone else. If so, then in a case where she herself forgets who she got engaged to, where if, some, if she wants to get married, someone comes and says it was me, we do not believe her, meaning in this case, the prohibition is even greater. She creates a bigger prohibition because she is not allowed to marry anybody we do not believe anyone who comes and says I'm the suitor since the prohibition is has a greater extent shouldn't we say that if she sleeps with anyone she should get sikila that would be a logical conclusion but Rav did not say that. In fact, right, he said um, that if she herself says, I was Mikudeshet, we do not give her Sikila. And so now he explains why. When it comes to punishment, the Torah does believe the father, um, and because uh, uh, it's his right to marry off his daughter if he says he did. Then he did, and she sleeps with someone, then she gets the death penalty. But for her herself, uh, in general, a person cannot um, uh, uh, cannot be punished based on their own admission. And so she is not believed uh, in regarding death penalty. She is believed in to the extent that she, we won't allow her to get married to someone who comes. 
But for death penalty, no. Okay, so Rav Aseh made a distinction between the father and the daughter in terms of punishment. And Rav Chista disagreed and said, no matter who says she did get engaged, whether it was the father or the daughter, we do not give sekila unless there were two independent witnesses. Then, yes, everybody agrees. But only based on the father's word, no. And Rav Chista is consistent with his opinion elsewhere. Rav Chista. If a father testifies and says uh, that, uh, a father uh, uh, makes the claim that his son is at least nine years old and one day, my daughter is at least three years old and one day. These are the minimum ages at which an act of relations is considered a legally uh, um, recognized sexual act such that if uh, if either um, the the boy or the girl were involved in some kind of prohibited act and they did so let's say unwittingly in which case they would require korban so they would require korban if they're less than that age then the act is not considered an act at all and there would be nothing so uh, one can make uh, uh, so one can uh, the father can make the child obligated to bring a korban based on his own admission that's true because then he's bringing bring korban but not for uh, not for lashes and not for other punishments. So we see that whether even though even the father is not believed regarding his child to the extent that to give them a punishment for a korban. Okay, that's a monetary obligation that you're taking upon yourself. I have to bring a korban because um, my uh, my child did this. So yeah, for a monetary obligation, yes, but not for other punishments. And there's a beraita for that supports Rav Chista that a father is not believed uh, to obligate a um, a child for punishments. Where, for example, Father says here, my son is bar mitzvah. He's an adult for uh, all matters, thirteen years, and my or my daughter is twelve years and one day. So he is, the father is believed regarding vows and dedications and consecrations so that if this son or daughter uh, may uh, obligated themselves and says, I'm going to donate an animal, I'm going to donate an item, I'm going to donate my worth. Um, then they actually have to pay that or bring that animal. Yes, so a father can, is believed, with regard to dedications, monetary obligations. But not for makot and onashim, if the kid did some transgression that would require lashes or punishment. And then we, say, we ask the father, how old is this uh, child here? Looks kind of young. And he says, yeah, he's, uh, he's uh, 13 and uh, two days. Um, so we say, well, uh, we don't have uh, we don't have external evidence that that's true. We do not believe you, and we, won't, we and they do not punish the child based on that uh, statement of the father. Baruch Adonai Amen.